Welcome to the Mad Max Minute. As much as we'd love to stay in Underworld, I think it's best that we be moving on in Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 80, which begins with the Barter Town guards improvising a way through a barricaded door, and it ends with Iron Bar being thrown into a vat of unrefined energy. Swinging in to help us tackle today's minute are Pete the Retailer and Comic Book Alex from the Star Wars Minute. Hey everybody. Hello. Welcome back. So glad you could join us for another episode as we are just making our way slowly but surely out of this, mm, it's more or less a giant cesspool. (laughs) When we wrapped on Monday, Savannah and Max had successfully closed the giant door with all the guards on the other side and they swung the big old bar into place to keep the doors closed. And we get this lovely little rest where Savannah's looking over at Max and for a moment we think that everything's fine. And then, surprise chainsaw! (laughs) Hmm. That's the best kind, really. Surprise chainsaw. (laughs) So often, when you've got a chainsaw in the mix, you know it's coming because you can hear that idling engine. But this, no, it just bursts right through. So great. Yeah, it's nice to finally see a chainsaw do its thing, you know, properly. (laughs) Instead of having Max running around impotently trying to start something, and then once he gets it revved up, it runs out of gas in two seconds flat. Yes. Mm. <laughs> Speaking of which, I'm a little surprised that they would use uh, chainsaws, given that gas is, is a commodity people are willing to uh, like kill each other over. The fact that they would use a chainsaw to open the door seems uh, like uh, extreme. Well, we don't. Do we see the other end of it? Maybe there's a there's a couple of guys like Gilliganing it on a bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably it. Rick, back in Thunderdome, back in the Thunderdome, a Thunderdome, a Thunderdome. Ooh, I like the I like that. <laughs> there may be other Thunderdomes. Maybe this is a franchise. (laughs) Did we talk about what the chainsaw might be running on? I always assumed it was just running on methane, like every other piston engine in Bartertown. And I think we already had this discussion that does your engine need to be converted to run on methane or... I think so. I think that's why when Max's vehicle was brought into Bartertown, it was sent down to Underworld where we found it because they were in the process of converting it from regular gasoline over to methane power. Hmm. Okay. I like the idea of them having this chainsaw that's been converted over to methane because they get to lord their source of energy over people that are scrounging for gasoline and they get to say, ha ha, look at us. We can still have vehicles because of converted poop. <laughs> converted. Yeah, there's a process. <laughs> they're classy there. They don't just use raw poop. It's converted. No, yeah. <laughs> just because they're in the wasteland doesn't mean they have to... Not savages. Exactly. They don't have to be savages. Max takes one look at this chainsaw and decides it is time to leave, which is a wise idea. Although I am curious, is the chainsaw going to keep running or are these guards only going to have so long for this chainsaw to be running? They might only saw through half of that bar and then the chainsaw will run out of gas like it did in the Thunderdome. Hmm. Well, perhaps in the Thunderdome it only ran for so short a time because it wasn't really ready. It wasn't really done. More work needed to be done on it. Mm -hmm. But it was needed for Thunderdome, so it was taken. And kind of a plus that it doesn't work properly. It's more amusing that way. Right. But it has been, I don't know, at least a week since Thunderdome. conservatively, yeah. Yeah. More time for the Blackfinger to work on the chainsaw, get it working properly. Because it had to be somewhere nearby for it to have been grabbed so readily. Handy. So I, it doesn't really seem like it was with the rest of the supplies for Thunderdome. Mm. Although I do like the idea of a chainsaw 
that runs off of some sort of bicycle mechanism. <laughs> right. You really have to pedal hard. I don't know if you guys have ever seen this, but there is a picture online of someone probably from Russia who took a small gas-powered chainsaw they took the casing off of the handle side of the machine and they attached a belt from the powered end of the chainsaw to the front wheel of their bicycle. So as they're pedaling along, they can reach down, activate the chainsaw, and that will drive the front wheel of their bicycle. It will also drive the chain on the chainsaw. <laughs> they didn't take it off. They just uh, attached it. Huh? <laughs> yeah. So they, they just... can have a powered bicycle, but it has to also be a chainsaw right well you don't want to take away functionality exactly yeah if you are ever riding your bicycle through the woods do you want to deal with branches no you put a chainsaw at the front of your bicycle (laughs) and as you're riding through the woods it'll cut the branches away seems like you should just be able to make the front wheel into a chainsaw somehow like you're riding on basically you're riding on a chainsaw yeah. I guess that would wreck the blade. Or maybe just have a giant circular saw blade right. as your tire. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It strikes me as the kind of bicycle that would exist in the Mad Max world. And you could just take the cover off maybe if you need to. Like if you need to not cut things that you're riding on. Yeah. Have we seen a bicycle in Mad Max world? We've seen a few in the opening procession as people are going into Bartertown. Mm-hmm. But I think this might be the only Mad Max movie that we see post-apocalyptic bicycles. I was thinking of Mad Max 79, and I thought maybe there was a kid on a tricycle, but no, it was a kid in a stroller. Ah. Never mind. No tricycle. Close, but Mm. no cigar. Mm. But strollers were still a thing, at least as of then. (laughs) Well, that was pre or actively apocalyptic, right? The first one? Yeah, we... Yeah, it was... Yeah, yeah, mid-apocalyptic. Apocalyptic apocalyptic stuff was happening. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was like, if the apocalypse proper is a city, the stuff that was happening in Mad Max 1979 was like the suburbs. Right. I actually really like that representation of what the apocalypse might be like. It didn't happen overnight. Yes, it was a nuclear apocalypse, but there was apocalyptic things. Society was already disintegrating before the bombs fell. Tell me about it. You didn't get a situation. (laughs) where millions of souls cried out at once and then were suddenly silenced. Right, yeah. Right, they were silenced slowly and painfully. (laughs) Slowly bled out. Well, there are worse fates. You could be attacked by a tribe of teddy bears. (laughs) Or you could have to run through a big pile of goldfish. That's that's also terrible. (laughs) It really is. I ran over a squirrel today when I was driving to work and it was horrific. It was awful. Like the thud of... Knowing that you've run over a soft living thing is horrible. So wading through goldfish would just be, no. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to handle it. I would just stand still and maybe cry. <laughs> but like, it's not like you're the one who killed all these goldfish. This situation is being, is like you're, you're being put in this situation. So I think, I feel like after like a couple of seconds, it would just be like, like you wouldn't even think of them as goldfish. It would just be like a, you know what I mean? Like it's not like they're flipping around like they're still alive in this crazy scenario that <laughs> we're envisioning where we're well, forced to run through piles dead. of dead goldfish. <laughs> But that is sad about the squirrel. Yes. <laughs> I had a very similar squirrel situation when I was riding my motorcycle the other day, except I didn't run over the squirrel. Oh, cool. I was You're riding cool. up to the squirrel, and it was closer to the edge of the road than it was to the opposite side of the road where it had come from. So all it had to do was go maybe like 
18 inches to get to the side of the road. And so I'm coming up on my motorcycle and this squirrel notices me and I'm waiting for it to go the foot and a half to the safety of the road. And no, he runs the opposite direction across the lane that I'm in and the lane next to me. And as I'm riding by, I hold out my hand as if to say, squirrel, you idiot, what are you doing? So you copped an attitude with a squirrel. Yeah, because he was being dumb. What are you, nuts? <laughs> exactly. Ah. I can only imagine what the car behind me was thinking. Well, the same thing. They were thinking the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so Max and Savannah, they get back to the big room where everyone's waiting. And Pig Killer leans out of the cab of this generator train and he shouts all aboard and he pulls the horn and we get this lovely train horn sound echoing through Underworld. Which yeah. is completely out of place because this train, for lack of a better term, is really an amalgamation of several different things. They're actually in a truck. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. That has train wheels so that it can run on a train track. So hearing the train horn come out of the truck is really odd. It does not match up. <laughs> Plus, what is he like? Is he referencing? Did he take trains when he was younger? Like, is that like how long have we been here? I, I can't remember. I can't remember. But uh, like, is he is it close enough that he, you know, he remembers taking trains and he remembers what all aboard means? Or is it? Um, That's a good question. Is it just like yeah. a thing that people say now? You know, it's like a weird like, oh, like, you know, like I didn't realize that stood for uh, God's wounds, but it, you know, it's, it, nobody says that kind of a thing. It's just, it's, it's <laughs> gone through several iterations. Well, we've pretty much settled that every adult in this movie is a first generation wastelander. These are all people that knew what the world used to be like. Right. So Pig Killer very well could have been a kid who loved trains mm. and an adult who maybe he's one of those types that went down to the train station and as the train went by he was like oh that's a insert train model here how exciting and then he'd take a picture of it and put it in a scrapbook right yeah <laughs> <laughs> And we know that trains were still active and useful in Mad Max 79. Right. So that's not that long ago. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's 20 years or so, which actually is a long time. Long time. But I mean, Max was just a young man then and he's not that old now. <laughs> Max certainly remembers trains. Yeah. One thing that kind of bothers me about Pig Killer pulling the horn like this, if they were going for subtlety, that's gone. Now, granted, the guards could not be more alerted. Things cannot get more uh, out of control control so i might as well let pig killer have his fun but at the same time pig killer does not operate in subtleties no <laughs> <laughs> uh, would you be surprised given his name and everything you think right. he'd be he, uh... <laughs> genteel <laughs> so is that the sound of the train that when they cut to tina turner is that the sound we hear is that the sound like what is that sound is it like an alarm so there is an alarm going off as we look past max and savannah up towards the periscope you can hear it going off it's one of those i guess klaxon style alarms where it's just pulsing with the right. wii u wii u wii u type of thing <laughs> so that's that's what they call diagenic oh yes Okay. Yeah, this sound is actually happening in the scene, not soundtrack stuff. Right. I felt like it could go either way because, like, there, there's that close-up of her eyes, like, looking at him. Was that in this? Uh, yeah. This minute. It's a really, yeah. it's a really cool kind of campy, like, but yeah, but, it's very like stylized right. and uh, it's like yeah. a dramatic zoom. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like that. That scope doesn't really have the technology to slowly kind of zoom in to <laughs> to Mad Max. Oh, there are so many things that this periscope can do <laughs> that it should not be allowed to do. For one thing, we're looking at this periscope in the 
shot that goes past Max and Savannah. First thing I notice is that someone hung a sign on it, probably saying something about, oh, big brother's watching you. Better be on your best behavior. But the thing that bothers me about that periscope is that it's just a tube with a glass lens at the end. Right. There's no focusing mirrors. There's no zoom apparatuses. It is just a pipe. Uh-huh. And it does so much more than a pipe should be able to do. <laughs> well, well uh. it is the future. So maybe they have different, maybe glass is like different. It's like smart glass. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the only reasonable explanation I can think of. Yeah. Now, you guys don't know what the sign says, you said? I was hoping that you... I couldn't make it out, and I was hoping. I was like, oh, they'll probably know, because that sign... I thought it maybe had been in here before. I tried doing a zoom and enhance, yeah. but Magnified. the shot is so dark, and it's so grainy when I boost the gamma and zoom in on it. It looks like it's saying something along the lines of, remember, and then I think it says, the man is watching you right making an allusion to oh you know the man who's keeping you down right tripe of thing which is ironic because auntie's not a man right she's the man (laughs) Right. So we don't actually get to see Auntie right out after we look at the periscope because the first thing we see is the periscope zooming in on Master. And then we see Auntie after roughly 40 minutes of her not being in the movie. Suddenly, boom, here she is again. Last time we saw her was in minute 43 when she told Master to behave. Then she walked off and she's been gone for the better part of an hour. But she's looking at this situation and I have to wonder, this initial thing where she sees Master, does she think that Master is causing this revolution? Yeah. Where it cuts to him first and he's kind of like, not me, them. Well, yeah. It should have been a whole series of those. Like cut to somebody else, but like, no, no, not me, them. And it cuts to, you know, somebody in the shower, like, oh, not me, them. <laughs> They cut to Sammy Davis Jr. Like, not me, cats. It's them. Keep keep going. (laughs) Putting a lot of cameos. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's where you you do your your Batman building there. Lurch. (laughs) Yeah. With that pointing that Master seems to do, she does refocus back down, and she finally finds Max, and we get a dramatic zoom in there. And then we get that campy shot that you mentioned earlier where Auntie's eyes go wide as she realizes, oh, no, the guy that I exiled has come back to cause trouble for me. Mm-hmm. Not a good situation. Yeah. I wonder, and I think the answer is yes, is this the first time the punishment of the wheel, whatever that may have been, has failed? Mm. Has the wheel been reliable up till now? As you assume so. Yeah, but really nobody's ever escaped from underworld no one has ever escaped from captivity or slavery i it's probably nobody's ever escaped and then come back so they can just say like oh yeah they you know they died most people have the good sense not to return to the place that exiled them mm, right. they true. cut their losses and say you know what let's not go to barter town tis a silly place <laughs> <laughs> Well, plus they can't, they can't say like, well, no one has ever died trying. Okay. Well, four people have escaped, but you probably won't be able to, you know, they can't, right. they don't want to <laughs> emphasize that some people actually have managed to escape and, and go on to live lives. You know, they have to, right. uh, it's like, they got to toe the line. If it's got, you know, like, like less than 0.1 milligram of sugar, they can still say it's sugar free, that kind of a thing. Right. Yeah. In fact, maybe for all we know, hundreds of people escape every day from underworld. Right. But it's statistically <laughs> it's only the dumbest people who, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
explains pig killer. They could probably be pretty <laughs> relaxed with the security and underworld, like leave the doors unlocked and not padlock their prisoners, just kind of hook the chain on them. And those people that are smart enough to just take the chain off. It's the honor system. Exactly. Right. I imagine that working in underworld, you get at least one meal and maybe a soft bed of hay to sleep on. Wow. You have a, you have a very lofty imagination for what goes on in underworld. <laughs> yeah. I know I'm probably overestimating how much prisoners in underworld get but when the alternative is dying in the wasteland because some wastelander wants your boots yeah mm. that's true yeah you're better off uh safety in numbers right yeah you do get a lot of freedom being a scavenger bringing your wares back to barter town but you don't have a sense of permanence in your life you're very transitive and so maybe that's why someone would come to barter town and be like you know what i want to work in underworld i want to have an occupation i want to have a job where i put down my shovel at the end of my day for my good behavior half hour of sleep and think you know what i did a good job today mm. you lay your head on that hay and then a pig comes over and farts on you <laughs> And you think, this is so much better than being out in the open air having to worry about raider ambushes. Somebody, they walk in, they're like, I'm, you know, I'm sick and tired of all this freedom. Give me some security for once. Yeah, I can see it. <laughs> oh, boy. But then would, those would be, those those guys wouldn't work their way up because those they would also always want the freedom from responsibility. They wouldn't want the, you know, they want the job, but they don't want to be like, oh, like, I don't, I don't want to worry about getting attacked. And I also don't want to worry about having people like, you know, living and dying on my decisions. So let me, let me just kind of blend into the background here. Yeah, I think once you get into the middle management portion, then it's like your job to whip the disobedient slaves. And it's like, yeah, and I just... I don't have the shoulder for it. Like, I can barely move a shovel. I don't want to have to be beating people on the regular. Right. I'd rather just game. be beat. It'd be so much easier. <laughs> yeah. Let me just do the bare minimum here. Come on. <laughs> I love this zero motivation wastelander we've invented. Right. He sounds okay. pathetic. Wasteland slackers. Yeah, exactly. Bounty hunter? Mm -hmm. Bounty hunting would probably be pretty fun in the wasteland. Do they still have money? Well, they have goods and services. There you go. I imagine that if Auntie wanted someone tracked down and brought to justice, she could probably offer people a bag of grain or two hours with a woman. <laughs> is that a one-to-one? -one? Like two hours with a woman is the equivalent of a bag of grain? How many I skins, believe so. How many skins did that fur trader start with? I think it was like a, like a pretty good pile. And then the collector said, sack of grain, two hours with a woman. So I think that is a one-to-one. -one. Mm. That wasn't either or. That's not both. That's not a sack of grain and two hours with a woman. Right. It's right. It was either a choice. Or. Right. Mm. So I like what Auntie does here. She notices Max. She zooms in on it, and then she steps away from the periscope and she just turns away from the camera. And I imagine her storming off to go over to the elevator that leads down from her penthouse. And it kind of reminds me of another character who suddenly realized that someone from their past had shown up and responded to it by storming away. <laughs> specifically vader yeah i guess like if you look at it that way yeah <laughs> max is a presence that she has not felt right since and then her statement trails off and yeah. the collector is left there sitting since when since when auntie <laughs> I, I don't understand yeah you need that extra that that uh, helper there to be like what what what's going on where are you going what did, what did you see <laughs> i have a weird uh um you know specifically from since this is the first time we see her I'll, I'll 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 bring it up here but i have a weird kind of uh i feel like tina turner specifically from this era her music makes me carsick because <laughs> uh 
I think like this, like, you know, we don't need another hero was on in my friend's parents station wagon when we were, you know, we were driving somewhere and it was like, you know, I was overexcited and it was too hot. And I think I was, I was, I was car sick <laughs> once. And it was just like that kind of, you know, that, uh, tie that together that it's always going to be the soundtrack of me being car sick. So anytime I hear it, I think my senses are on kind of alert. And I'm like, ah. oh no, that's so not fair. And, and so it's extended beyond the, just this song. It's like any Tina Turner from this era my, my body starts to be like wait a minute wait a minute i know this <laughs> i totally know what you mean i thought you were gonna go with the angle of how she does this sort of like running in place dance move mm. and so the idea is that she moves around so much in such a herky-jerky manner that watching her makes you car sick no 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 watching her I'm, I'm fine with you know i like her uh and i can i can listen to kind of you know earlier kind of more soul uh tina turner with no problem but it's just the the music of this era of her oh, yeah that, that is unfortunate yeah well you're like uh, alex in uh clockwork orange <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> i'm trying to think of a clever name for a podcast that goes through tina turner's catalog oh boy alphabetically teen abc T- tina tina bc turner mm. podcast maybe teen a teen abc i don't that know. makes it sound like it's should... abc's for teenagers yeah. yeah you should keep working on it yeah i'll, I'll keep workshopping it maybe like tina teen b teen c or something like that like <laughs> i don't know yeah, yeah it's, it's it's tricky it's not it's not immediate if someone does start it i know at least two episodes that i want to be on <laughs> <laughs> i know at least two that i don't want to be on that's <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of high energy, early Tina Turner, Iron Bar shows up out of nowhere, coming back from the feed shoot, knocking him out. And he has taken up the shovel that Pig Killer used to knock out one of the winch turning guards. And he takes a swing at Max and just connects right on Max's chin, knocking him back onto the ground. Mm. It makes me wonder why Pig Killer went with the shovel instead of the gun that he was using that was still lying on top of him as he lay unconscious on the ground. No one picked up the gun that Iron Bar was using. Really? Because that seems foolish. It is foolish. Why wouldn't Max grab that? Why wouldn't he grab the gun and shoot Blackfinger as he's running away? Thoughts? Hmm. Are there no bullets in the gun? Ooh, maybe it was a fake, like Max did in Road Warrior. Or like Snowpiercer, where Iron Bar used up all of his bullets on an earlier rebellion, so now he just has this gun as an intimidation thing. Right. Symbolic. It's more symbolic than yeah. right. a figurehead. It's like they say in The Wicker Man, phallic symbol, phallic symbol. But it's I think Wicker that's from Man. the Nick Cage version, so... <laughs> We try not to talk about that one. (laughs) If the shovel is now a weapon, which I think it makes a great weapon, why would Pig Killer drop it on the ground? Why wouldn't he bring it with him? It's because he grabbed the bolt cutters. And the bolt cutters being a two-handed tool, it takes up the two-handed slot in Pig Killer's inventory, so he had to drop the shovel in order to pick up the bolt cutters. Okay, part B of that question, then why didn't one of the other kids grab the shovel? This is a situation where you need everything to work to your advantage, so any weapon that's laying around, you pick it up. If for no other reason, then so the other side can't have it. I'm going to pose a theory, and let me know if you guys like this idea. The kids are dumb, (laughs) and they aren't thinking right. Discuss. (laughs) I agree. I think the kids are dumb. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, plus that, you know, just being in that kind of, uh, I'm sure there are fumes and all that. They're, they're probably just not in their right mind. Yeah. I'm willing to bet there's not a ton of fresh air in there. So these kids who are used to being out in the open air amongst all the plants and clean water, right. they're in this situation and they're just going a little loopy from the fumes, I bet. Yeah. They're all hopped up on methane. Hanging out in Underworld is probably just like constantly sniffing glue. <laughs> so the, we've established that these kids are post-apocalypse kids, right? Oh, yeah. These kids have never seen a pre-apocalypse world in person. They've seen pictures and they've heard secondhand stories. But even the older kids were still really young, too young to really form firsthand memories. So is it possible that these kids did not pick up the gun? Is that the question being discussed now? Why did the kids not pick up the gun? Yes, or yeah. the shovel. Or, right. or the canola. Maybe the kids don't. Yeah, the shovel, is, it's harder to get around. But the gun, maybe they don't understand that guns are, are phenomenally easy to use. You know what I mean? Maybe they think, oh, you have to be trained to use a gun. You can't just pick it up and start shooting people. Like, we know they know how to use guns. I don't know. I'm just try I'm trying to grasp at straws. It does make sense, though. The only gun that these kids have ever seen used was when Max took what they all thought was a walking stick, pulled some things off of it, put a shiny thing into the top of it, and suddenly started punching holes in things from across the crack in the earth. Hmm. They really just don't understand the concept of a firearm. Yeah. Right. But they do understand the concept of tools and how tools can be used to kill living things. Yep. They love their spears. They do. So I'm still holding them accountable for the shovel. Although, like you said, Rick, they're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> They're just, you know, it's not their fault. Yeah, they may not be the brightest bulbs on the old Christmas tree, but at least they're eager. Right. Because Ironbar knocks down Max and he raises the shovel to, I'm assuming, chop at Max with the blade of the shovel, which is dumb. So Ironbar, just as dumb in this situation. No, I don't think that's dumb. No, I no. think you can do a lot of damage. You don't need to do that, though. You hit him in the chin, and then you just keep swinging the shovel into Max's face. There's no lead-up to that. You're just swinging. Iron Bar sitting there with this shovel over his head, and he's just sitting there, gloating over the situation. Not that I want Iron Bar to kill Max. I'm just saying he's taking his sweet time doing it. Okay, I'll give you that, and that does seem very characteristic of Iron Bar to allow a moment for gloating. Yeah. Right. Plus, that would be a weird end to the movie. <laughs> yeah, he really should just taken the sharp edge of that shovel and shoved it into Max's throat. Mm -hmm. Would have killed him right there. Mm -hmm. Because him sitting there showboating, grandstanding, whatever you want to call it, gives Savannah enough time to jump on Iron Bar's back and just start clawing at his face. And it's not just Savannah that's trying to help. Screwloose swings down from the higher platform because he thinks, oh, I'm going to take out this guy with my swinging. Unfortunately, Savannah tackles Iron Bar, and as Max gets up, smack, Screwloose swings right into him. She's mm, another one of those a bit goofy, a bit slapstick <laughs> moments that really drives home the PG-13 aspect to this movie. Mm, right, yeah. It's Temple of Doom. Yeah, yeah. that's one of those family-friendly moments. Totally, yeah. It's yeah. from the same it's Temple of Doom. It's, it's Ewoks. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's all the same... There's definitely, there was a theme. There was an era. We were feeling a certain way at the time. Also, very Return of the Jedi. We mentioned the Ewoks, and the oh. Ewoks do this exact move. Yeah. Where they swing down and they knock over stormtroopers. So what year were the Ewoks? All years. 1983. <laughs> the return. <laughs> yeah. Ewoks have always been, and they always shall be. Yes. 1983 <laughs> is when Return of the Jedi came Yeah. Out. Oh, okay. That's when we first two year, learned of Two them. years before this. Yeah. yeah. And what year did Temple of Doom come out? 1984. Mm -hmm. Okay. 84. 
So yeah, it's very much an era of this is the type of entertainment that we want. Mm-hmm. Goonies, Goonies probably around the same time. Mm-hmm. People loved seeing little kids beating up tough guys in uh, right. the eighties. Yeah, I feel like the early to mid eighties probably gave kids an unrealistic idea of how effective they could be when swinging on a rope, though. Yeah, it's true. It's they nice. had to upgrade. They had to update it with uh, Home Alone. Kind of <laughs> yeah, thing. right. Really make it a more <laughs> gritty, realistic version of what damage you can inflict on adults. <laughs> 90s kids will remember that. (laughs) (laughs) So while Screwloose misses his target on the initial swing and knocks it to max, he's still got enough momentum going that he can reach the apex of his swing and then come back towards Iron Bar, which is fortuitous that he does because Iron Bar throws Savannah off of him just in time for Screwloose to come in and just do a real nice double-footed kick, sending Iron Bar flying through the air and landing into a giant vat of just water and poop and grossness. Gold, dead goldfish. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And thus, Iron Bar loses his third life out of we assume his nine right that he has as a cat person okay if he does actually get nine lives i'm gonna be so tickled (laughs) that it actually comes out to nine well maybe we can assume that maybe one was spent on surviving the apocalypse good point yeah whatever number we get to we'll just we'll add one cook the books a little bit oh yeah definitely inflation (laughs) it's bad enough being thrown out of a penthouse and having a giant metal slide smack you in the face but being kicked into a giant vat of poop and just disappearing underneath the (laughs) surface i feel like his deaths and i say deaths with a big old pair of quotation marks around them are just getting worse and worse like each one is just (laughs) worse than the one before it (laughs) so far yeah or better and better depending yeah Maybe he he's scoping these out. He's like, oh, you know, it'd be cool. What if I uh, get hit and then I fall into the the uh, I fall into the 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 pig do. He was a, he was a stunt man before the apocalypse. So right. he likes dramatic. Oh, wait, isn't he the one? Isn't he the singer from? Uh, what's the band? Rose, Rose tattoo. tattoo. There you go. Yep. Yeah. So he's a he's an all around kind of guy. Yeah, I really appreciate that both Tina Turner and Angry Anderson are musical entertainers. Because it sort of turns this movie into Mad Max versus the musicians. Uh, totally. The other guy was whistling. <laughs> he was whistling uh, Carmen. There you go. He's he's falls. He, that's why. That's how you know he's on their side, the musician side. <laughs> well, since Max lost his musician, he's against musicians as a whole. Mm-hmm. Right. He destroyed Tun Tun's saxophone. Well, you could argue that the other guard destroyed the saxophone, but Max was an integral part of it. So I will give you that. Yes. Wait, so maybe this whole thing is a critique. It's like a, it's like a, this whole thing is, is, is really a metaphor. Like the apocalypse was kind of youth culture and like, you know, teenage uh, uh, rebellion. And so now Max kind of, he represents the old school kind of, you know, the, the classic citizen versus the you know the the crazy all, all these musicians and punks literally uh are, are representing the kind of youth culture and how he's fighting against it wow i like it yeah I like that read and even carmen was considered controversial in its day right see <laughs> so max is kind of like the mark metcalf of the apocalypse you know the angry dad from all those twisted sister music videos <laughs> right yeah Totally. Just the whole time, just like, turn it down. And they're like, revving engines and chainsaws. Cram it, old man. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, boy. Between the Doof Warrior and Fury Road and Humongous working his magic 
on his microphone. Mm-hmm. Just so many parallels can be drawn. It's rock and roll. Max is fighting against the forces of high energy music. Yeah. <laughs> so dumb. Oh, so screw loose. After kicking Iron Bar into the poop, he sets his feet on terra firma, and we get a cut in the action. We have reached the end of this minute, so I think it's a good point for us to stop. We'll put a pin in this situation, and we'll come back on Friday, where Pig Killer will manage to get this bucket of bolts moving, and once we break clear of the pipes holding the train in place, we can actually get on our way, and we'll get to the point of this movie where we actually have a car chase in a Mad Max movie. Who knew, right? <laughs> the Mad Max Minute podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy, is presented by Kennedy Miller Mitchell Productions, and distributed by Warner Brothers. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is Verdi's Dies Irae by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. And our outro music is We Don't Need Another Hero by MilitiaVox of MilitiaVox.com. Our home on the internet is MadMaxMinute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MadMaxMinute, like us on Facebook by searching for Mad Max Minute, and join our Facebook listener group, Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit MadMaxMinute.com where you can check out our Tee Public storefront by clicking the store link join our patreon by clicking the support link or make a one-time donation by clicking the donate link thank you for joining us for minute 80 of beyond thunderdome we'll see you next time Everybody!